Part three, chapter seventeen of Martin Schuler by Romer Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part three, Berlin, chapter seventeen. Not long after this musical affair, Countess von Ardstein gave a weekend party at her country house, to which she invited those persons whom Martin von Schuler chose out of her acquaintance sophie von sebaltz herchner konstanz lottie bischofheim and one or two other people a great deal of riding and shooting took place sophie brought her piebald half arab she dressed herself to match it in a black coat and white breeches in her riding gear one would have said she was on the stage martin himself had a sixteen-hand bay mare which konstanz had induced him to buy she was large and vicious and strong without grace but with a great deal of brute force he rode her in a queer mixture of riding clothes and ordinary lounge garments down to his waist he wore his ordinary navy blue clothes but the lower half of him was in doe-skin breeches and long black military boots and might have belonged to the army constance was charmed with him and ran about with him all over berlin so that people said they looked like two dogs on the same leash constance decided that martin had never been spoiled by what he called life and at twenty-seven was as young and fresh as at twenty-one certainly he seemed to be full of joy and vitality never to have abused himself or to have overtaxed either his mind or his body in any way again the past was all gone from him and the things that he had done and suffered seemed to have vanished away like clouds at sunrise wealth and adulation agreed with his health and though at times he suffered from what he called nerves sciatica heart trouble and other inappropriate names for indigestion which made his temper very bad he was magnificently well and merry most of the time one evening in june in the dusk of a hot day Hirchner sat talking to the countess von ardstein in the smoking-room that opened out over the piazza dinner was long since over and there remained but the hours of confidential chat before bedtime the ardstein's country house was a pleasant place for friends to say their says in one need wear nothing but old shooting-clothes all the day and evening the chairs were all old comfortable and large there was no elegance merely food and quietness the wide windows all stood open the country dogs slept and snored upon the floor the dachshunds of which there were three occupied the chairs the countess was beloved by dogs she had sixteen four of which had come to her from unknown wanderings upon the earth hirchner like the dogs was inclined to sleep and snore between the conversations he lay back in a large and comfortable english chair upholstered in red leather beside a small table upon which were cherries and kirk-drinks he took some cherries off the plate and threw them into his mouth and spat the stones out onto the carpet well he said moving the cherries about in his mouth i like your protege of course replied the countess i never expected you to do anything else but i am curious to know he went on what particular what identical thing caused you to take him up to spend so much on him the countess lifted her eyebrows a little and began to ferret in her bag for some handkerchief or other which came out rather the worse for the chase attached to a silver vinaigrette she behaved as if she were blind due to the vanity of foregoing glasses which she ought to have worn 
of course you know about that girl of his you have told me hirchner settled himself further down into his chair and now i am so glad he has taken a fancy to this sophie creature whom by the way i suppose you were fond of but then it was not serious and why not you as well as everybody else she is a beautiful girl she is light enough she will not corrode his fancy imagine my dear man imagine he was there baking to death in the ardour of her smile mademoiselle rosenstein's you mean baum baum cried the countess hella von rosenbaum she was killing him with an ideal at least that is my notion she walked about after him like a leech and kept her eyes pouring adoration upon him the lad could not move without her moving or think i believe without her thinking after him and yet said hirchner his fancy seems to have produced this charmingest of light operas and it seems to me she was a very devoted young woman with a fine idea of love oh yes said the countess she had the genius of love but she wore his heart out by encircling it with her arms that is not the identical reason as you call it well hirchner took and clipped a cigar leipzig is not berlin humbert to cosmopolitanize him muttered hirchner through a new mouthful of cherries i do not like this centralization this immense inmoving tendency the countess herself took a cherry and ate all around it so as not to detach the stone from the stalk cosmopolitanization is surely the other way all women want to give men heaven or earth it is so by god growled the baron grovelling with his left hand over the arm of his chair after two cherries that had got lost in the mat let the grass widow have him i am not a fool yapped the countess i will have nothing to do with him now i have got him away from that miserable life she chose a bunch of three cherries growing together but one of them was malformed and unripe so she chose another three of more equal beauty hirchner's huge form moved creakingly in the chair conveying the absurd little red fruits from the plate to his mouth and the darkness that was never really dark all night gathered about the room in vague clouds the mountain of cherries decreased i have eaten a great many cherries i think too many he said pushing the plate away from him an inch but like most people who were fond of eating he forgot next minute what he had said and continued to demolish the mountain it is a pity we are no longer young katken he said thinking of martin who he knew was in the garden with sophie and of lottie and constance for constance liked her equally with beda who were joking in the card-room those were very tiresome days replied the countess how glad i am i have never to pass through the tedium of experience again humbert i am glad i am old humbert sighed i do not feel old i wonder why i have never changed since i was a child why i never seem to learn anything to do with the game of life to be as great a fool as ever i understand the technique and all that but i am equally puzzled by each new principle i meet i am always discovering that everything is new under the sun hirchner ceased speaking and roused himself to drink after he had relapsed into his chair martin appeared at the window both the countess and hirchner were impressed by his atmosphere of preoccupation and the strong disturbance that his concentration made in the air of the room he seemed to have been running to be waiting to run again have some cherries said the finance minister no said martin whose eyes were fixed on a far part of the garden cherries no i do not think so 
do you love her said hirchner like a father to his eighteen-year-old son do you find her as beautiful and as pleasing as you ought martin felt insulted a little but he gave what he thought was the best answer she is in the garden hirchner leaned forward is she he hoped he might be able to see her from that position but he could not martin raised a hand above his head shut down his fingers as if he were playing a castanet and at the same time imitated the clack of it with his mouth he let his arm fall saying sternly i love her he was standing on the top step of the piazza with his back against the window-post suddenly his heart leaped in him and he thought i am here amongst these high-bred people for an instant he acknowledged an inferiority to society and then looking at hirchner's six-foot body and the countess's little one out of the corner of his eye felt infinitely superior he was humble before his idea of society but in society itself he found himself very much more remarkable than the general herd for after all it consists only of ordinary people decorated by environments the quiet of evening came over the woody enclosure that was called the garden and all the happy ideas of love and peace filled martin's soul the beauty of a thousand and one stage nights pervaded the small world that he could see with its romance its low-hung moon its dark shadows the nightingale cried plaintively and long through the deep blue air and the sweet scents of cedars and hay-grass night-stocks and old-fashioned roses came up from the dewy ground why have you left her said the countess after a long pause martin pretended not to hear her for he could not very well reply we are playing hide-and-seek or hunt the girl or wild men of the woods because he was twenty-seven and not ingenuous incomparably indiscreet said hirchner half asleep as he fell back into his chair but nobody heard him or knew to what he referred we are all catching our own fleas thought the countess upon whom the stage effect of the window and the moon had begun to dawn hirchner also was dreaming of the isolation of human beings he wished everybody was happy and that they would all join together at something presently martin went away off the piazza to renew his game this time more seriously for he had fallen straight into love during his rest at the window what are they doing said the countess when he had gone why should i know playing the incomparable game of catch-as-catch-can said hirchner from whose mouth rings of blue smoke were ascending the repose of the beautiful end of day was wrapping itself over the chairs and animals and round the two people hirchner lay at full length in his chair and seemed to have forgotten everything to do with finance and the military he began to murmur to the countess from under his cloud of smoke wonderful is it not wonderful for ever and ever wonderful his virility and the huge power of his animal personality were at rest the countess sighed and moved her hands to a different position and the dachshunds sighed and wagged their tails under the dream of her caress a night for lovers murmured the tender minister of finance but indeed money and war slavery and cruelty would never exist but for men the earth is ever so forbearing with us why does she not ask the sea to leave its bed and smother us with pillows of foam the countess sighed again and again was echoed by the response of dachshunds ah me continued the baron and this young man what is he doing with himself what is he going to do he has earned riches i feel a wonderful sympathy with him i love him even as you do as everybody must i hope as you hope that he likes me 
when he walks about grown up and self-possessed i am inclined to laugh and yet i know he is my superior in the beginning was the word and the word was god that is not unlike him the holy book we do not read kachen is wonderful very wonderful in the beginning god created the world and he said let there be light and he separated the light from the darkness and the light he called youth and the darkness age remember thy creator in the days of thy youth lest the evil days come and the years when thou shalt say i have no pleasure in them he was thinking how very sad for him it was not to be young again in order at least to be the rival of martin in the garden that poor girl must be tearing her heart out in leipzig he added yes answered the countess i feel very sorry for her but men and genius first imagine if you have any imagination how she killed him by absorbing him i am incredibly pleased he writes light opera said hirchner it is the most human the most happy the most enjoyable thing in the world he began to hum one of martin's airs yes said the countess whose thoughts saw martin chasing sophie among the dark trees i find it hard to think that he wrote that all music is astounding why think in tunes who does i do not nor do you astounding said the minister softly i do not believe he is altogether happy he made this remark hoping that this was the case for he felt a little jealous of all the gifts of fate to martin schuler you are right the countess sighed he has been serious and grown up till i brought him into the pretty world here oh yes oh yes of course you are his fairy godmother after an interval during which the sleep of twilight gave way to the wakefulness of night the countess got up and went to the window i can see them she said he has just caught and kissed her hirchner rose off his chair and yawned with his arms raised above his head so that they nearly touched the ceiling damnation of damnations he said slowly you are perfectly right he is kissing her again and now there she is kissing him it was hard to say how he could discriminate between the actions come let us shut the window and go in venus has capitulated and now adonis will carry her off into the woods or is it endymion and his moon have you seen paris and red hose run off with a gilt and white helen your fantasies said the countess shaking her fingers loosely as if she were scattering dewdrops how absurd your fantasies hirchner gently shut the window as he continued speaking or the blue delphinium hurry the white butterfly to his lips or why not say martin von schuler with the loveliest woman in berlin it is all the same my heart is absolutely captivated i have a mind to weep crocodile's tears said the countess whose own sentimental feelings forbade her to sympathize with those of the six-foot financier she turned and went away out of the room but hirchner whose life on one side was limited by his work and on the other by the purest animal sensations which occasionally gave him an insight into intellectual truth stood still and gently opened the window again to be tossed a little upon the radiating waves of romance that spread through the garden end of part three chapter seventeen recording by expatriate in bangor maine